you do. Hello, welcome to the Coffee Celebration. I'm your host, Wendy Sue Friedman Steinberg. And today I have someone that I met 20 years ago at Miami University of Ohio. She was in the second year of her graduate program and she was an assistant first year advisor. And I can't remember what hall you were in. I was in Dorsey Hall, okay. which is still standing. It's now next to the Farmer School of Business, which they had to tear down Reed Hall in order to build. So that was a little sad, but Dorsey is still alive and kicking. That's amazing. There's been so many changes at Miami University. So yeah. we are going to welcome Sarah Troy. And even though I only got to work with her for a year, there is there was something special that year and the following year. And, and I think it was the people. I have to be straight up because we're pretty amazing. And I'm so delighted that you are on this podcast because when you graduated and moved on, I want to just know, did you continue your path in housing? Because right now, I, I mean, I'm hoping you'll explain your current role as your director, your vice president of development, right? I'm a program or I'm director. I'm not a vice president. I do not need that sort of political drama in my life. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So did you go from Miami? Did you go right into housing again? Or how did you segue into what you're currently in? Yeah. So I did go into housing because that's sort of what one does because you don't really know any better. Um, And so I worked at UNC Chapel Hill for one whole year um, and realized I hate housing. Uh, It's a lot of facilities management and health and safety checks to make sure kids clean their bathrooms and just, you know, like Mm -hmm. a lot of drama. Um, Mm -hmm. And I try to live as much of a drama free life as I can. So I I managed to stick out out in housing for one year. And then when I was at Miami, I had to do an, um, what do they call it? A practicum. And we had to do it in a functional area outside of what our assistantship was in. Okay. I had always had a passion for more international students, like just learning about other places, other cultures. Like I too studied lots of French for many years. Um, but I'd always loved the international students who came to my campus as an undergrad and wanted to work with that population. So uh-huh. I'd gotten a practicum at Earlham College, just across the border, okay. Indiana, and had made, you know, developed a nice relationship with my supervisor. And she invited me to come back and work at Earlham, which I was like, heck yeah, like get me out of housing. Um, so it ended up lasting for three years and then I moved on after that, but I did lots of stuff while I was there. So, so yeah. did you work specifically with the international population at Earlham college? I started off doing that. Yes. So it was supposed to only be one year because the director was going on sabbatical. They had their biggest incoming class of international students and they just needed extra like programming support mm-hmm. and help. Um, but then they liked me so much that they were like, we need to keep Sarah. Um, right. It turns out that, uh, this one man, Cristobal, who, um, was working with this program on the U S Mexico border, like he was doing the recruitment and all the Mm -hmm. administrative work at in 
on campus at Earlham. Um, and the program ran in El Paso and Ciudad Juarez. And he um, he wasn't able to stay in his role. Like he needed to figure out his visa situation. So even though I had zero experience in Spanish, had never been to the border, they were like, Sarah, do you want the job? I'm like, yeah, I do. Um, But it was great. I mean, it was largely like going out to the other colleges that were part of the consortium, recruiting students, working with faculty. Um, I remember talking to like someone's parent about like health and safety on the border and just trying to reassure them that the child would be safe, even though they were in Juarez um, and crossing the border every day. But it was a great program. And I loved working at at Earlham. Um, It's probably one of my most favorite places because like everyone is considered faculty, whether you're teaching or administrative and, you know, the Quakers just hold a special place in my heart because they're good people, simplistic lives. Everyone's yeah. on a first name basis. Um, they That's just awesome. really, and they also were one of the best schools that really, I think, bring students into literally everything they do from the budget committee to the hiring committee of the dean of students to whatever, like students are literally involved in everything that they do. And that kind of felt like fresh out of grad school, like that's what you learn about and that's what okay. you think it should be about. And to be in that kind of environment early on, um, you know, is kind of unique. It really, really is. I mean, when I think back, cause my whole background's housing and it isn't for the long term, it's not so healthy. Um, you know, some of the environments can be toxic. Um, there's a lot of, it, 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 it didn't feel good anymore. And, you know, outside of going to the hospital at 1 a.m. to check on students who, you know, have consumed way too much alcohol or drugs, um, that's a side note. Um, You're right. It's like housing, I think, is only sustainable for so long. And then for people who want to be in student affairs or, you know, just be on a college campus, you have to pivot at some point. So after Erlang, knowing that you had that experience with um, international students, because I love how you didn't know what you were going to do, but you did it anyway. And it takes that kind of fearlessness to be successful, right? You're like, I'm going to learn. I'm going to make it happen. So many people say, no, I don't know anything about it. I won't leap. And you did. That's amazing. And so after Earlham, where did you go? So I um, started dating my now husband while I was there. Mm -hmm. I met my husband when he was actually a freshman in Dorsey and I was the graduate person, the advisor. I did not date him then. I actually only yelled at him for dropping a bunch of pool balls down the stairwell. And like, he woke me up from a nap and I was not happy about that. Well, Um, well well-deserved. Absolutely. I would have yelled too. Yes. Yes. Um, but I ended up like reconnecting with him and like other friends, like my RAs who were no longer RAs and had become my friends. Um, so my husband was ready to go to grad school. He's obviously a little bit younger and that brought us to Colorado for the first time. Um, he went to CSU to Colorado state and that's when I worked at UNC for a while as an academic advisor. Um, I ran the Scholastic Standards Program and essentially suspended students from college, which was not fun because some of them were so lame. They're like, I just like couldn't come to class because it was like icy and snowy. And I'm like, you literally live in Colorado. What did you expect this would be like? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Others had, they legitimately wanted and needed help and those felt good. Like I helped 
this young woman who had gone through some serious trauma end up getting like readmitted back to the college. So there were instances where stories had really, you know, they felt good. Like you're actually helping someone. Um, but I was, I never struggled academically in school. And so that was really hard for me to be able to be more sympathetic towards students who really just college wasn't the right place for them at the right time. Yeah. Did you feel that more of the situations um, working with suspended students were outside the classroom and not so much their performance in the classroom? Or because, you know, my fresh, I, I went to UNC from 1989 to 1994. I did five years because I needed that victory lap to finish not having a direction. And so my freshman roommate, Jana, um, very gorgeous, tall, blonde woman, um, had an eight o'clock finite math class that she failed both fall and spring because she can't do 8 a.m., but that was the only time it was offered. And she would get up like at 7.15, but her shower was like 40 minutes. And the anxiety that she produced for me, because I would just get up and go. Like, no one cares what I look like. I'm sitting in the back. I just need to get to my class. But, like, it was a whole deal with the hair and the curling iron and the makeup. And so she was very bright, but she just didn't have the, like, motivation or work ethic or skill set to get there. What and When you worked with that population, what I mean... Some of it is rewarding, like the woman you did help. But then is it a cognitive academic thing or is it mainly no one ever helped them develop that work that work ethic or, you know? It's both. Because it's both. so UNC has a nursing major mm-hmm. and it's a really popular major. A lot of students um, want to do the major because, you know, it has a defined career path. And some of them feel compelled to help. So in order to become a nursing major, you have to pass organic chemistry, which is a five credit class. It's hard. Yeah, super hard. And it's so much easier to tank your GPA than to crawl back out of the hole. And I did meet with a number of students who who were in that boat. They wanted to be a nursing major, couldn't pass OCHEM. And UNC has like a, a grade forgiveness program where you could repeat the class. And as long as you pass it, it will cancel out the former D or F. Um, and I remember like this one student, you know, she had this great story about why she wanted to be a nursing major. Her mom had been a nurse, like, you know, she earned her degree in Mexico. They came to the U S and she really wanted to follow in her mom's footsteps. And I'm like, look, you can do well in the other classes because your grades show me you can, you're not doing well in this class. Yeah. Do you want to stay in college or do you want to try OCHEM again? Like Uh this is your last semester to get your GPA up. And she's like, I'd like to stay in college. I'm like, leave it alone for now. There are other pathways to becoming a nurse. Do the classes you know you can be successful in and give it a try later on. Like just get yourself back on track. And she's like, okay, let's do it. And she did. And she came back at the end of the semester and she was so grateful. And so there are students like her who were wonderful and they just needed more guidance about how to get back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were other students, they just maturely like or maturity wise, they just were not ready for college. Like, like the kid, I remember one kid, seriously, like I sprained my ankle and like, I just, it was too far to walk to class. I'm like, seriously. And I think I was like, do you know how much money you threw away by coming here and how much of the world's population actually never gets access to this opportunity that you literally threw away and you do have to pay this money back. And he didn't really like that. 
But some parents, you know, they'll call and say, so I got this suspension letter to my student. Can you tell me about that? And I'm like, I cannot. What I can say is either your student's not ready for college and the coursework is too hard, or maybe they just didn't go to class. And she was like, Hmm, I got this. Okay. Thank you. And she's like, it's not too hard for my kid. So she kind of knew what other path to go on. So I think it was kind of a mix. Like, you know, I I had a football player who also like, I think he thought he was going to go into the NFL and you're like, Oh bro, that's a hard dream to lose, but not happening. Also, you know, not focused academically and he failed out and realized like, okay, if I want a different life than what I have now, I have to do something differently. Went to community college, got the grades up and I was able to help him get back in. Um, So yeah, it's just a mix of everyone's got a different story, but it was a mix. Where was your office? Just tell me, where was your office? Do you remember? Basement of Michener Library. Michener Library. The basement of the library is like a dungeon. There were no windows. I know, but that, I always, I love my, I love the library. I went there every weekend. Okay. So I have issues. I was a little nerdy, but like, oh, I just love that. Love that. Okay. Oh my God. It's just so dark and, you know, it really has a smell. Library. It's nasty. Yeah. So but what was that? How long were you at UNC? Uh, around two years. Yeah, good. Yeah. So then your husband finished his grad program at that point? He did. And then we were living in Denver for a little bit. And it was right. It was like, it was during the last recession. And the job market in Colorado is tough. Um, neither one of us really had a lot going on. And I saw like, I have, I'd always wanted to get back into international education, like for as much as I was gone, like I was always looking like, is there something new or a new opportunity? And I had come across an opportunity at the study abroad company called CEA and it's in Phoenix and was like, why not? Like we literally have nothing to lose here. Okay. And so I got the job. Which sidebar, the woman who interviewed me, who was my supervisor for a short bit, she was an alumnus of Antioch College. So I felt like I could connect. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we connected right away because like I worked at Erla, went to Miami. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I got the job. We moved to Phoenix. I lived there for like 10 years, stayed with the same company for like 10 years, moved up, did all different kinds of jobs. And then um in study abroad. So not incoming international, but outbound students going abroad and uh, more on like the operational side of how do you build programs in another country? Like how do you, you know, create academic programs that will have strong transferability back to the U.S. Because U.S. colleges, if you didn't know, are snooty as I'll get out. They're what? Snooty. Right. Oh, well, we worked at Miami, so we know this. Okay, forget it. Why was I surprised? I know, right? You created, so you were in, where did you travel to do all this? What what countries? So I traveled to Italy and Spain, France, uh, Argentina, China, London, Ireland, I don't know if there was anything else or not. I can't remember, but those were the big ones. That's amazing. Did you just love it? That's I did. Like 
China was so interesting because when you get a visa, it's good for like 10 years. Um, and basically if you can pay, like if you pay, like you can get a visa, like in 24 hours. Um, but just like, I don't know, it's just so bizarre and so interesting because like there would be security or like police officers just kind of keeping the, not that there's anything to be worried about, but like cameras on the streets, like security guards with their big old weapons, like just kind of monitoring everyone. And I had an uncle who was like, be safe. I worry about you over there. And I'm like, this is probably the safest place I could be right now. Like they've literally got eyes on everything and everyone. And the subway stations were so easy to use, like clearly marked announcements in English and Mandarin, like the lines are color coded and they like follow the pink line to keep following the pink line. And um, it was a really interesting place. And like there's Shanghai was started as like a fishing village, but I think um, the government decided that would be the financial district. So they basically relocated a lot of people and it was a well-planned city. Um, so it was just really interesting to be there and just, I don't know. And also with communism, like they kind of got rid of all religion, right? There's no religion. And so people don't really actively practice Buddhism, but it kind of gets passed down generation to generation of like, this is who Buddha is. And this is like how it feels, you know, kind of like, this is what it feels like, but they don't have like active um, practices of religion. So that's kind so of do cool. you, when, when you did that, did you have counterparts in these countries that were wanting to build a relationship with the corporation that you worked for and, they made it easy for you because I'm thinking the language barrier, the 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 dollar different, like the whole currency, like how wow, how long would yeah, it? China was harder than other country. Argentina is also hard with money. Like they have like multiple economies happening all at once. Um, so yes, like generally the way that my company worked is that we would, in some instances, partner with a local university who had classes that they could teach in English, but where the snootiness level comes in on the U.S. side is you have a business school that's AACSB accredited, and they're like, we will only take credits from other AACSB accredited schools or engineering. It has to be ABET accredited. But Wendy Sue, I called ABET and I was like, tell me how much you care about whether class, they're like, we don't accredit classes, we accredit programs. And it's up to that institution to say, if their students have met their learning outcomes, we don't care. But then faculty would hide behind ABET and you're like, you don't understand your accreditation, but that's okay. So... Yeah, we would partner with these other schools who would have the curriculum that would fulfill the needs of U.S. students. Um, and then in some instances, we would create our own study center where we would hire faculty. But that would also require us to set up an entity in that country to be able to employ people and all of that stuff. Um, and we would recruit faculty who could teach courses that we would develop through our school of record in the US. And then we would teach those courses um, so that they were more American style education than like going into a classroom in China or the UK or somewhere else where there would be different pedagogical styles and right. students would have a bigger learning curve to just be successful. So how long would you stay at a site? Or would you I make multiple trips? Uh, I didn't have to make multiple trips for that company because 
we would have someone on site that we had hired who was a staff member. They were a program director. And so it was their job to liaise with the local university to do all of this stuff. And then I would come over as like a, just show me around, let's check it out. Or we had an important university partner coming over and they wanted someone to kind of chaperone them a little bit. Okay. Okay. Like a week, maybe. Okay. So you spent 10 years in Phoenix doing this. It did. What made you decide to pivot again? So um, I had been at my last company for a really long time and I just needed something different and I needed a change. Um, You know, and the pandemic sort of brings out, sort of brought out people's true colors in different ways. Right. So you're like, yeah, it's time. Um, And my current supervisor, who was a colleague at the other place, he had left in like December of 2020 and joined this company called Verto, which is about four years old, I think. So it's still like a startup. And he's like, hey, we're going to have a position open. You should apply for it. I was like, I should apply for that job. So I did and I got it. And it's similar work, but it's very different work at the same time. Like the knowledge I learned in my other job has clearly applied here. It set me up for success. Um, in many ways that I didn't expect it to. Um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot about how students need to get visas for other countries. And sometimes that bites me in the butt because it's not something that everybody knows. No, Um, Yeah. But that's, yeah. So I just kind of decided I needed that change, but then my family moved to Colorado in 2019. Uh, Like I had a son in 2018. Yes. He is, uh, he'll be five in February. Oh my God, he's so yummy. Oh my, I've seen pictures. His hair. I'm like, oh, you know, you you don't want to cut it. It's so, oh, no. He's like, and do you eat him Do you just eat him constantly? Because I still eat my kids constantly. And they're 19, 16, and 13. And I don't care if I'm embarrassing them. Oh my gosh. Oh, so he's going into kindergarten? Yeah, he's in preschool now. And so he'll be kindergarten in the fall. Uh, But he goes to a Montessori school where they have mixed grades. So he'll be in the same class for another year. That's amazing. Oh, my kids do Montessori. It's the best. We, it's, oh my gosh. So what exactly then in your current role, you're in a startup, you're helping people with visas still, but that's not all you do though, is it? No. So actually my job <laughs> doesn't really have anything to do with visas. I just kind of got sucked into it because I know stuff. Um, oh, okay. So my, um, but it did prove to be really helpful. So Verto focuses on giving students a different pathway to start college. So we work with colleges and two, students in kind of two ways. One is we work with schools who like in the U.S., who um, kind of has an enrollment management function. Like, hey, I wanted to admit an extra 200 students, but I don't have bed space. So we're like, send them to us. They can do a first semester with us, earn general education credits, and then transfer those back to your school. And then as long as the student meets a certain GPA, they have a guaranteed admission to that school in the spring semester. That's awesome. Yeah. 
I think so. Like who doesn't want to start their first semester of college in like London or, you know, CITES or Costa Rica. Um, oh my God. Right? So oh. my job is to help is to build those programs. So like this past year, I built a program in Prague and in Argentina where it was hiring a consultant um, in each country to help do the on the ground work. Like we want, we knew that we wanted to open a study center. So our own building in one country and in the Czech Republic, you do have to work with the local school who can sponsor your students for visas. So scouting out who would we want to work with, like, you know, knowing the study abroad landscape, like which schools would be friendly to us and, and be able to support American students because Czech culture can be perceived as being a little cold by Americans. Um, they're just, they're just very rigid and structured and direct. Oh, like I was at a restaurant, it was a casual restaurant and, you know, it was this tiny table and they squeezed four of us and the guy's like, excuse me, can you please move so I can put the food down? And I was like, Mm-hmm. Sure can. Um, but you know, in the US, somebody would be like, oh, excuse, you know, they would just be over the top nice, generally right. speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I build the programs. Like I shout out student housing, have to understand the immigration requirements for how can a student legally be in the country for four months. Um, you know, what is what would our access to faculty be? So, mm-hmm. you know, needing them to teach our courses. Um what are some of the activities students would do, like excursions they might go on and just kind of building all of that up, but also working with marketing to like put it on the website, train teams who need to sell it and talk to students about it. And then once we hire that program director, supporting them to like flat, like I build the foundation, they put everything else in place. Like they put the drywall in, they put the decorations on the building, like they do all of that. So then supporting them through that journey until they welcome students on site. Does that, does that take months? Just your piece going there? You're working with the government. The government here can take eons. Does it take the same amount of time and red tape? Generally, yes. I would say it takes about 15 months as an ideal timeline to build and launch a new program. I had like nine months this last time, but because I knew Prague and Buenos Aires as study abroad locations, it was a lot easier for me to do that because I'm like, okay, they can go to Iguazu Falls or you know, we take 17 year olds in the Czech Republic. So we're not taking them out of country for any sort of excursion. So we know that they're largely going to go to like one of three places. Um, There's kind of places that, that, you know, people go to often for study abroad programs. So you just kind of repeat the same thing until you have someone on grant on the, on the ground who can like dig into it and find something maybe a little bit different. Like One of the things we did in Prague that was a little bit different from traditional study abroad, which would be like upper class students, is we took them to this place called um, Seski Raj, and they did a low ropes course. And so that was kind of cool because they could learn some leadership skills, like group team building, like that kind of stuff. So that was pretty cool. And that's not something that like an upper class student would typically get to do. So how many... So you, you have all these locations, right? We how have students. Six, how many students do you take at each? Um, it depends on the location, but 
Um, we currently have around 800 students on site this fall across all locations. Um, one, I guess like Florence is our biggest one. We probably can take, like we have around, what was it? 225 maybe that went to London. Costa Rica was around 200. But so in some locations we could take upwards of like 300 students would be our capacity. Um, and in others, we might kind of put it around 150. It just sort of depends on what our facilities are like and our housing options, um, what's available. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah it really kind of is. So, so it's, it's, it's not even working on campus like with study abroad. You're a private company who does this. And students, okay. How does and students we have our it? team who works with colleges, like the admissions office, okay. to kind of say, as the enrollment management function, let us help you. Right. That's right. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, there is some attrition between and fall and semesters, right? Oh yeah. my gosh. And so, is it, um, I guess, your company in Fort Collins then? Is that why you're there? Or no, so my company is actually entirely remote. We don't have a physical office anywhere. Wow. Yeah, it has its pros and cons. I mean, I like working from home, but there is something to be said for the in-person relationships, mm-hmm. like learning more about other people than just a Zoom call or think you have to, you have to work harder to build relationships with people when you're all remote. Yeah. And sometimes that can feel like a one-way street. So you have to work harder. Oh my gosh. So then how did you pick Fort Collins out of all the places you've been to work remotely? Was it your husband's job then that brought yeah. you back? Okay. And what so did he after, do? He works in marketing and communications at Colorado State. Okay. So he likes the communication side of higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, and after living in Phoenix for 10 years, we agreed that we really enjoy living out West and don't want to go any further East than say Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also kind of limits where you can live. Like we'd love to live in Southern California, but that's stupid expensive. So Colorado's stupid expensive. It is but not as bad. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I grew up there and every time I'd come and visit, it was almost unrecognizable. And I'm like, where are these people coming from? California. And, what? California. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The housing prices. Insane. Oh my God. I can't even. I'm going to need an adult beverage. Oh my gosh. It's, I know. I it's know. Beyond. It's terrible. Like for Fort Collins, I mean, we have three targets now. So we're like, no. Okay. Big time. Big time. All right. Uh, except we still have like, wireless like cell we still have cellular dead spots in town and you're like how is this possible it's 2022 people like get it together my son will be like mom is the internet not good in this part I'm like it's not buddy sorry we live in like we it's provincial here we just can't know oh absolutely it's like where's your horse and buggy oh my god okay so talking for Collins um, Bojo's Pizza, you've obviously eaten there, right? You don't like Bojo's Pizza? There's nothing special about it. The sauce is what's special. The pizza 
pizza itself is actually not very good. What about putting the honey on the crust? No. Do you not do that? I do, but you're like, this is literally just bread with honey on it. Like, I could do that at home. Okay. I know. And I'm sorry. I just, no, it's okay. It's okay. Like, so expensive for what it is, too. And you're like, how did I just pay $40 for this pizza that wasn't very good? And you just gave me some honey to put on the crust. Like, just a pass. No. Okay. So it is just a one time experience. Okay. I, I get it. Yeah. So when you lived in Denver, like, what part of town were you guys in? Just because that's my. When we lived in Denver, we were in Aurora. Um, I went to Sticky Hill. Okay. I'm not sure exactly where that is. We were, okay. we were like Alameda and Sable, I think. Okay. So kind of by the mall and whatever. The Aurora Mall? Yes. 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 Okay. We were there for a year. It's fine. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Aurora Mall is totally sketchy now. So it's very, yeah, my husband, and I actually kind of joke that like, so when we moved there, um, we're kind of doing a quick move. So we're like, okay, well, our lease is up in like a month or two. Like, let's just move to Denver since there really aren't many job opportunities in Fort Collins and let's see what happens here. Um, and we found this apartment that was a new building um, or a new complex and the rent was fairly reasonable. And you're like, you know, it looks okay over here. Afterwards, we're like, we should have checked out the mall first. That would have told us a lot about the area if we'd gone to the mall. You have to do a drive-by at night. Yeah. Okay, here too. Yeah. We yeah. were looking at a house that <clears throat> backed up on um, tennis courts. So the evening lights, you know, those big shiny things, and we had driven by at night. We're like, oh, thank God. Because oh. at the house, because all those lights, you know, oh, my goodness. Oh, I just love talking about Aurora and Denver. And now you're in that yummy mountain air, drinking clean, yummy water. And it is good water. That's true. It is. Oh, my goodness. So what are some things that you do in Colorado? Do you ski? Do you do, do, you do that? No. I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, so not really near any mountains. Um, yeah, so I actually, when I was at Miami, I took my, uh, it was a hall council program because I was hall council advisor, and we took a group of students to um, that little place in Indiana where they- Perfect North. Yes. Perfect North. We went to Perfect North to ski. It's there not, was yeah. no. And there was wet snow, so it was icy. And then I got stuck on the hill. And then there was lightning. And they're like, you need to all come down. I'm like, I, I, I literally can't come down. And they had to send the guy on the snowmobile to take me back oh, down. Oh. It was kind of yeah. embarrassing. But I had a student who was in the same boat as me, so it didn't feel quite as bad. Absolutely. But I was like, never again. Never again. I'm done. Yeah. We did tubing a few times because we can do that. We Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um so you said you're from Kansas City. Do you get to see your family a lot? Or yeah, sometimes. I mean, La Pandemia uh sort of put a uh, I don't know, I just like I went to Argentina in um Easter, April, and okay. just like everyone, oh la pandemia, la pandemia. And you're like, that is catchy. How does it it just rolls off the tongue? It does. It sounds pandemic. so much nicer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sort of, uh, my dad turned 70 in February. 
So I have a sister and her family lives in Sevierville, Tennessee. So we agreed to meet Kansas City. She and her family drove up. I have a brother who lives in Kansas City and um, Joey and I went, that's my son. My husband's behind with the dog. Um, And we rented a house together and had lots of fun for like three or four days. And then my dad came out here about a month ago. Um, And then I've already planned a spring break trip to Tennessee with Joey. And Dollywood will be open. So we're going to Dollywood. So I've never been to Dollywood. Have you? Yes. Once in the past like year and a half, I had to go for a work retreat and I was like, well, I'm going to stay and see my sister. And she took me to Dollywood and it's like the best amusement park ever. Cause it's actually affordable. Like Dolly is a national treasure. And yes. I like she it's, it was during some festival with like food or something. And so there were like little samples of food that you could get, but it was all really good. Like not crappy amusement park food and you didn't pay 20 bucks for it. I mean, yeah, it was a little overpriced, but it's not like, you know, way overpriced. And it was just like fun. It was family friendly and it was just really cute. Um, I liked it a lot more than I expected to. Do you remember how Randy was totally obsessed with her? I think he still is. I think he still is. I mean, once you're obsessed, I don't know that you can ever not be obsessed with Dolly. I know. I know. She is just, if you watch like old interviews with her, she just, she was so spot on and such a feminist even back then. You know, she's just brilliant. I want to go there. Oh, Dollywood. You should. You're not all that far, Wendy C. You could drive down. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) Okay. I can't wait. I'm going to have to make some plans and live on the edge. That sounds good to me. Oh my gosh. So are you happy? You're happy? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's ha- I mean, I feel like I'm in that season of life where, you know, my kid still needs me a lot, but that's also changing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I had, you know, it's where you start to get like 20 minutes of free time because he's playing by himself. And you're like, I don't know what to do with this free time. Like, you know, you know, it's going to end at any moment and you're like, maybe I shouldn't move because if I move, he's going to hear me and then he's going to need me. Yes. He doesn't. Um, so that is sort of shifting. And then it's like, you know, you had asked earlier, like, what do I do? I'm like, I'm a mom and I work and that's kind of it. Um, and so it's coming back to like, what do I want to do? And what are the things that I like to do? And now Mm -hmm. it's sort of like a chance to rediscover myself, but still working on it. Same, same. I turned 51 this year and um, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. You know, it's just, and that process of um, like rediscovering who you are from having been a mom. I mean, that, that baby takes up your whole body. And then, you know, takes up the first like 18 months is really critical. And then, like you said, 20 minutes, you're like, do I get a snack? Like, should I be on my phone? Like, I don't know. Should I watch Say Yes to the Dress? I mean, you're, you're just like mind blown. Um, yes, sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, same. I'm just and that is such a good place to be in because we have so many options and it's true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So 
I have to be better at keeping in touch, especially with the Miami people. Um, I had the pleasure of interviewing Emily Donahue and Deanna Lee. So I am going to try and make my way through our whole cohort um, because we really, I don't know if you felt it. And you, you know me. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I get really excited and energized by people and relationships. And that time at Miami is just, I don't know, so sacred and special. And I, I know that I wasn't there when you were there your first year, but I've never got along with so many different people at once. And it was just, it was just so lovely. And a lot of us are still in touch still. And um, I really think that speaks volumes as to, you know, what we experienced at Miami. And I will say that I have interviewed at Miami since then. It's not the same. And I kept going back, trying to like recreate this moment. Yes. It's not possible. It's not. So took myself out of the running of those positions because you guys weren't there and it wasn't, you know, and it's unrecognizable now. Like you said, they took yeah. it. Oh my gosh. I've been back a few times for work, <laughs> like going to their study abroad fairs to yeah. you know promote the programs. And yeah, the campus has changed a lot and Uptown has changed a lot, but I would agree. It was a really special time. Like I think at the time it spoke volumes to like, like working with first year students, but not being an undergrad, but still feeling like mm-hmm. you're a part of that. Like that's a pretty amazing accomplishment on the university's part that they could make staff and grad students feel that same level of like commitment and engagement and belonging and community, even though like a lot of that was built for first year students, but it carried over to the people who worked with them too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like Doug Little was in town ah. a couple weeks ago because he what? keeps more in touch with Evan and Renee, but I see Evan and Renee sometimes. Um, and then I actually did end up living across the golf course or golf course from Alan Weaver in Scottsdale for a while, which we didn't even know. Like we were literally living across the golf course and shopped at the same store and we had connected over Facebook or something and was like, oh my God, I live in Scottsdale. I live there. Where do you live? He's like, I think we are neighbors literally. And we were, yeah, just walk across the golf course and there he was. I would have freaked out. I'm sure you did. Oh my God. Crazy. Like he was working for Target and uh, he had to go to the Philippines for a while to like create a call center. And he was like, can you guys help watch my dog while I'm gone? And he had the best little dog. It's funny because he's like, Buddha is so chill. And he was a chill dog, but we would get him worked up and he became like this little crazy dog sometimes. And Alan Weaver was like, what is going on with him? And I'm like, I don't know, Alan Weaver. I don't know. <laughs> Love that so much. Oh my God, Sarah. Oh, my goodness. This was so lovely. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and reconnecting with me. I really am going to try and get through our whole um, Office of Residence Life and New Student Programs. Um, I just loved it. It was just a, a very special place. So It was. It was. I kept in touch with Mignon for a while, but because she's like on no social media, uh, I no, Mignon never. Um, I sort of fell out of touch with her, but I know if I wrote to her, she would probably give me some sassy comment and then say like, you need to call me. Um, 
but yeah, she's, I think, yeah, I've kind of been in touch with her a little bit throughout the years, but not recently. Oh gosh. She was a magnet for goodness. You know, I just loved being around her. Oh my gosh. What is she doing now? Uh, she moved back to Jackson, Mississippi, because that's where she's from and her parents are there and her sister is there. And I think she wanted to be close to her parents as they were aging. Um, and I don't remember, like, I thought she was doing something with like alumni relations with the, like a health sciences or like a college of nursing or something like that, like a branch of University of Mississippi, but in Jackson. So amazing. Yeah. She did her PhD there and was, yeah, she's stayed with Ole Miss. Dr. Chin. Okay. I need her email. I'm going to totally surprise her. Oh my God. Um, Arnie Slaughter. Yeah. He's what? Arnie Slaughter. He can get it for you. He can get you her email. Okay. Well, he's just right at NKU. Right. He's like associate VP of student affairs. He started off as a hall director. Isn't that crazy? And, oh my God. He has his doctorate too. Yes, yes. If I didn't have to feed three teenage boys, I would too. You know, it's just. I decided, I thought about it for a minute and I was like, that's a lot of work. And for what? I don't know. I've okay. heard a lot of people. So yeah, Catherine O'Dara, she has hers. Yes. Mitch and got his. That's right. We're, uh, oh my gosh, we're amongst greatness. I love it. That's true. And Alan Weaver got his too, because when he finished his PhD, he went to Middle Tennessee State and he reached out to me, Evan, Renee and Doug. And he was like, okay, because I'm never going to get married. Like this is my celebration. And this is what you guys need to come to. So we did. And it was one. You went to his graduation? Yeah, we all, I, I actually was, um, at Earlham, I think, because I took a grant from Dayton to Memphis, to Nashville, wherever. I think it was Nashville. It was scary, Wendy Sue. It was scary. I, I would have not recommended that. I Next time, I will drive you myself in my Honda Odyssey because I was on a Greyhound once, too, and I didn't sleep. I was just, I didn't pee. I didn't do anything. I didn't move. It is scary. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That's it's like a lifetime yeah. yeah. Oh, there's another young woman who kind of like saw me and is like, yeah, we're sitting by each other. And I'm like, we sure are. Oh, yeah. 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 Lifelong sisters now. Oh, 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 my gosh. I have so many people to reconnect with. I really do. do. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me and putting the call out. Like, I'm glad I said yes. I'm glad you did, too, because I haven't seen you in 20 years. And look mm. at this great, amazing success that you have. Uh, it's just, you found a passion. You're definitely excelling at it. And, you know, all those students are creating lifelong um, priceless memories because there's such value in what you do. Thanks. So, I yeah. think so. I mean, I studied abroad and it changed my life. So yeah, um, yeah. I, and I, and I'm happier on the operational side than actually on the student facing side. So Okay. Still get to make an impact from a distance. Okay. And it's Verto? That's v the company? Yeah, Verto Education, V-E-R-T-O. How many people work there? Uh, on the headquarters side, I want to say like 
50 to 75. And then on the international side, um, we have seasonal, we have probably like 10 to 15 full-time staff, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And then we hire a number of seasonal staff as our enrollment fluctuates. Yeah. Yeah. So Wendy Sue, if you wanted to go work in London for a semester, you might be able to, or Costa Rica. Okay. I'm better in London because I'm like rainy cold stuff. Um, I can't be schmoiling like fat girls. We don't do well in the heat. Okay. <laughs> Humidity. God. Oh, we can't, we can't. It's like, I'm a delicate flower. And this past summer in Cincinnati, I didn't go outside. I was like, it was like the surface of the sun. And that doesn't jive with me at all. No, thank you. Right. I, yes, totally. I mean, I did survive 10 years in the desert, but it was a dry heat. I went to Tucson once. I can't. I couldn't go back. It was so hot. You get used to it after a while. I mean, at some point, hot is hot. It doesn't matter if there's humidity or not. It's hot. Right. But uh, yeah, it's made the summers here really nice where it can get up to 90 and some people cry and think it's hot. And I'm like, oh, girl, it's not hot. Right. Like, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah. See, you look at the positive. I love that. I love that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so we're going to do a to be continued because you have so much success and we'll, we'll bring other people in. And, you I'm, know, I'm grateful that you gave me this hour. And uh, now you can go eat Joey and hang out. And oh my gosh, it's amazing that he's going to be five. It's it's like you just had him. I know. Don't you feel that way? I do. I have colleagues who are like, how's baby Joey? And I'm like, not a baby. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Like he, he started wiping his own butt. Dude, life changing. Life changing. Totally. Oh my God. I was like. When did that happen? <laughs> I know. I know. And then when they're teenagers, you just pray that they continue to do that. <laughs> oh, my God. And you're like, what's this? Like, literally, I don't know what happened this morning, but someone got up early and did not aim well. I stepped in it, sat in it. And I'm like, this isn't happening again. Okay. I'm the only girl. Only girl. All right. right. Show mommy some respect. Sit down or aim right. Yes. Oh my God, my house smells. Oh my God. Yeah, it's good times. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. Oh, but it is life changing when they do it themselves at this age. You it just, is, for sure. That they, they remain consistent. <laughs> right? I'm watch that. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yes. We're focusing on everything good anyway. So, uh, Sarah, thank you again. Oh my goodness. It was so lovely to see you. And uh, thanks for posting that picture in our Facebook group. It was great. Yeah. I love it. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I'll get with Arnie about Dr. Chin's email. And if you see Evan and Renee, please give them my best. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. They're not on Facebook so much. Yeah. I think they're just kind of like me do other things. Uh, yeah. I need to get there myself. Okay. I just, I just am so distracted. Oh my gosh. It has right. a distraction sometimes. Yeah. Well, have a good night and thank you again. Of okay. course. And we'll okay, keep it. Thank you.